Hey, it's Greg Brown. Grab your logbook, because it's time for another cockpit adventure from the flying carpet. I'm an aviation author, adventure columnist, photographer, former National Flight Instructor of the Year, and Barnes & Noble Arizona Author of the Month. The Flying Carpet is a four-place single-engine light airplane. In it, my wife Jean and I have long traveled the North American continent, searching behind clouds for the real America, and experiencing aerial adventures like today's all along the way. Learn more at my website, gregbrownflyingcarpet.com, where you can also see photos from most episodes. And I'd appreciate your feedback in my Flying Carpet Podcast Facebook group. Piloting is a sophisticated activity that requires a good deal of training, hand-eye coordination, planning, and application of judgment. But today's episode focuses more on spiritual aspects of flying. That is, why we do it, rather than how we do it. The story is drawn from my book, Flying Carpet, the Soul of an Airplane, for which I was named a Barnes & Noble Arizona Author of the Month. This story is one of my personal favorites, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Okay, everyone, hop aboard my flying carpet, snug up your seatbelts, and prepare for takeoff on today's adventure, flight number 22, Talking Spirits. Clear prop. Damp gloom saturated Purdue Airport in Lafayette, Indiana, as I tugged the airplane from its hangar. The weather had been dismal for weeks, endless low clouds, and that aching dullness of mind and spirit that comes from long periods without sunlight. I was en route to Detroit to attend a weekend ground school, and although not relishing long days in a classroom, the prospect of flying promised rejuvenation. Best of all, this gray morning offered grand prelude to blue skies. With the cloud layer reported as only a few thousand feet thick, I would quickly climb to long-missed sunshine on top. Eagerly, I plunged after takeoff into the dark underbelly of clouds. With just a thin membrane of plastic and metal between me and outside, the soggy smell of fog instantly enveloped my cockpit. Droplets gathered on forward surfaces of the plane, then streamed back over the windshield struts and wheel fairings. I noted an isolated rivulet traveling the inner surface of the rear window, soon to drip on my luggage. At least this Cessna doesn't whistle in the rain like so many others do, I found myself thinking. I jumped as the right-side cabin air vent departed its housing and blew before me across the windshield. Trailing behind like the tail of a comet came a spray of mist to moisten my face. 
These cylindrical pull-out vents are a quaint feature of older single-engine Cessnas. Why they should be more prone to such outbursts in clouds, I don't know. But invariably, that's where they always launch. The gray on my windshield grew lighter and lighter, until without warning I burst into blue skies above. Sunlight warmed my face and joy filled my heart. A spectrum of just two colors now dominated the world beyond my cockpit. Featureless cloud carpet of white, trapped by translucent dome of blue. Leveling at 9,000 feet, I set course for Detroit. I was flying a Cessna 182 on this day, had tried to find someone to go along and share the cost, but without success. Funny how travel begs company, but once on the way alone, the sky's rich solitude fills an aviator's soul with music. With no outside landmarks to show progress toward my destination, my thoughts soon turned inward to the voices assaulting me from my headset. Voices could be heard coming from everywhere. Busy voices, relaxed voices, angry voices, commanding and timid voices. Yet in a sense, all came from nowhere. It's part of the strangeness of removal from the earth. Only a few times during a flight do you see another airplane. Yet the seemingly empty sky is filled with people's voices like the sounds of a city without buildings or a twilight zone inhabited by spirits. Sometimes the voices are occasional and random. Other times they back up in a traffic jam. Voices rush from point to point, then stall circling over imaginary locations that have names but no physical reality. You know, when driving, you can see the people in other cars, guess their moods. You can ponder the music they might be listening to and imagine the nature of their destinations. But most of the time they cannot be heard. In the air, the phenomenon is reversed. You hear the voices, but you cannot see the people. There's impatience and there's calm. Some are ahead and some are behind. I wonder what the owners of those voices might look like and try to visualize their faces based on timbre and tone. This radio call comes from someone calm and strong a gentleman from the country south. A city voice soon interjects, aggressive, hurried, and impatient. That draws a chuckle from some third spirit. Clearly, she's at peace with the world and unhurried by the rush. Subtleties of expression identify the spirits who love flying, those who are sociable and those who are loners, and those in the cockpit strictly for business. Perhaps that's one of the great mysteries of flying. You can distinguish the marks of the people, but not the people themselves. On a clear day, phantoms seen from the air and warm sunshine prove the existence of people in their industry. At day's end, long shadows cast shapes of things on the ground, their vertical profiles painted on the terrain in detail unmatched by any artist. The contents of every rail flat car, the true shape of every roof, is distorted onto the Earth's surface, while the thing itself is invisible. 
It reminds me of Plato's world of the ideal. When flying instruments on a day like this, however, clouds obscure all cues from the ground. Only voices in the headset and the occasional moving instrument needle suggest that other people might exist. Approaching Detroit, I was returned to the physical world by the one other airplane I would actually see on this flight. It was an ancient DC-3 airliner, gleaming silver, 2,000 feet below me against an endless sea of clouds. Desperately, I trolled for the pilot's transmissions amid all the radio chatter. No luck. This was time travel. Who could say for sure what the date might be beneath those clouds? DC-3s are hardly faster than the Skylane I was flying. Not wanting to lose my transport through time, I followed the path of that shining craft for what seemed like an eternity, straining to keep it in sight. It was like turning up the volume of a favorite song as it fades away. Is something special hidden there, where it disappears? At what instant does it truly end? I arrived at my hotel after dark that Friday evening. A clean and formal place, it struck me as somewhere I could largely enjoy my upcoming weekend of classes. The registration desk was located in a towering atrium packed with people. Those in line were cordial and polite as I waited, but something seemed strange, which at first I couldn't identify. Then it struck me. Even with so many people around... The place was nearly silent. A faint rustling could be heard of people moving about, and scents of perfume and cologne wafted gently by. But there were no voices. Is there a convention going on? I asked the desk clerk when I reached the front of the line. Yes, she said. It's some sort of meeting of the hearing impaired. Upon closer examination, I then recognized hand-signing between people in the room. Given the quietness of the lobby, I cheered myself with the thought that if I must study in a convention hotel, this was the place to be and still get some work done. There were surprises later that evening, however, when I climbed into bed. My neighbors on both sides had guests, sharing boisterous conversation over televisions turned up loud. Then the clinking of glasses was enlivened by the crashing of bottles. More and more, this convention sounded like a party crowd, as ultimately my neighbors entertained visitors throughout the night. Several times I thought my door was being knocked down when revelers mistakenly pummeled mine in lieu of my neighbors. It hadn't occurred to me that to attract the attention of my non-hearing neighbors, their visitors would need to bang loudly on the door to gain entrance. Presumably, in some cases, it would be the vibrations from a body striking the door more than the sound of the knocking that would alert the occupants of the presence of a visitor. The following night, I transferred to another room, but the experience was no better, perhaps even worse. I hardly slept at all.
When time came to check out after completing classes on Sunday, I stumbled to the registration desk, prepared to share woes for the second time with the proprietor. The clerk noticed my blackened eyes long before I reached him. I see that you, too, are a victim of the Deaf Bowlers Convention, he said, offering a discount on my room. We're still cleaning up the ballroom this morning. At least things calmed down a little once we got the strippers out of there last night. I dragged myself to the hotel restaurant, there to load up on coffee for the flight home. The place was packed, and after finally finding a seat, I noticed a woman sitting quietly near me in the corner. She was signing with her hands, apparently to no one in particular. I scanned the busy restaurant, trying to determine who, if anyone, might be engaged in silent conversation with her. No one. I sipped my coffee, ate breakfast, and rose to pay the bill. Only then, at the far corner of the restaurant, did I observe a solitary man signing. I looked back at the woman. The two were having a private conversation spanning 60 feet or more. No one else appeared to have even noticed. The potential for intrigue was so delicious that I found myself wishing I could sign to others across the room myself. Armed with a fresh perspective on voices to ponder while flying home, I paid my bill and headed for the airport. Thanks for riding along on today's Flying Carpet Adventure. Please help me continue this podcast by sharing your favorite Flying Carpet episodes on social media, posting reviews on your favorite podcast directories, and donating via my Greg Brown Flying Carpet website. Thanks in advance for your support. You can find photos from most episodes at my website, gregbrownflyingcarpet.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please check out my book of aviation adventure stories, Flying Carpet, The Soul of an Airplane, for which I was named Barnes & Noble Arizona Author of the Month. Learn about that and my other aviation books at gregbrownflyingcarpet.com. Also at gregbrownflyingcarpet.com, you'll find my views from the flying carpet aerial photography, available in fine art metal prints and pilot achievement plaques. Oh, And I'd appreciate hearing your feedback in my Flying Carpet Podcast Facebook group. Follow my social media sites, most of which can be found by searching Greg Brown Flying Carpet. And consider joining my student pilot pep talk group on Facebook. Thanks again for joining me on today's Flying Carpet Cockpit Adventure. Music by Hannes Brown. See you next time.